All right, I think we are live, yes, and welcome to episode... 14. 14 already? Yeah. Wow. My goodness. I know. Of Coffee with Crime, I'm Lewis. I'm Alexi. And um, we have today a very special coffee from a place called Sparrow's Coffee in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Michigan. Now, um, where is Grand Rapids in the mitten? Uh, so hold up your mitten. Okay, everybody hold up your mitten and they're in podcast land. It's going to be all the way on the west side. Okay, so we're right below your pinky, um, kind of on your the, the, the like right down, side of your palm. Yeah, Okay, like so that's where Grand Rapids area here. Right. Oh, because it's right on kind of the lake, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, as a musician, I have toured around the whole country a lot. And the Grand Rapids is a place I never made it to. Not really? because Not because I didn't want to go, but... I just couldn't land a gig there. And I, I, I realized that it's really competitive. It is. Yeah, they have a really big music scene. A very scene. vibrant yeah. music scene and, uh, of you know, food, beverage. There's, mm-hmm. just, there's just a lot going on there. And when I first started booking back in, I guess, probably... 2015 i didn't re I, I thought grand rapids was just this like little michigan town that where people um were mining uh. <laughs> iron or something like that i don't, be, I don't know it's become a very you know popular place to yeah. live and yeah and so we have uh here um this wonderful coffee from a place called sparrows i like the bag it's very colorful and i i love it it's and did cool. do you notice uh, it took me a while at looking at this bag i spent a lot of times just staring <laughs> staring at this coffee bag because it's really beautiful it's it's a yellow a very very bright sunny mm-hmm. kind of yellow color with these brush strokes that uh, almost impressionistic style brush strokes of pink purple light blue red black and it, it reminds me of a bird's feathers. Yeah, I, I thought I, it was like supposed to be like a parrot or something. Yeah, and that's what it looks yeah. like. And I and as I looked um, on their website at other of their packaging and stuff, it all kind of has this same. It has this very very much this same aesthetic, except just with different colors. Uh, feel this bag with your fingers. It's, it's waxy. Oh, cool! And it feels really nice. Um, and apparently, it is. Um, I'm, I'm assuming it's biodegradable because it, feels- it says remove valve to compost this bag. Oh, okay. So I think you can take this bag of coffee once you're done with it um, right along with your banana peels and apple cores and just compost it apparently if that's something that you want to do, which is pretty cool. Yeah. This is a Colombian cauca, which if you remember is the same region that we had last week. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah. But, you know, roasted differently, roasted mm-hmm. by a different company. And... Uh, what it says on the tag on the front is crisp, juicy, and sessionable, sourced through our partnership with Coffee for Peace, providing support to post-conflict regions of Colombia. Oh, wow. Tasting notes are cherry, citrus, and milk chocolate. So Ooh. let us take a sip. Here Cheers. We go. Cheers. I'll take my coffee with crime. Oh, it's so smooth. Oh my gosh, that's really good. It's, it has like a kind of a sweet taste mm-hmm. at the end. It really does. I, oh, I love it. That's really good. I, I don't think I've ever tasted anything. I've never tasted anything quite like <laughs> We Yeah, um, uh, thank you to Sparrows. They, they sent us this coffee when we hit them up and told them about our podcast. And they were just like, hey, where do we send the coffee? Um, specifically Lori. Mm. Um, she is the founder and owner 
of sparrows and uh yeah i she she sent me an email said hey like we'd love to send you send you a bag of our coffee and so this is it it's it's such good coffee it's i taste the berry i i a lot of times i taste like berry kind of flavors but i'm like yeah. i don't know if this is raspberry or cherry or blueberry or whatever but i i did get that when i tasted it even before um before i saw the the uh, tasting notes cuz i i did taste this earlier and uh and the milk chocolate it's got that kind of a a chocolatey flavor to it too. Mm, so um, good. Just extremely smooth, extremely well roasted, um, you know, medium roast ish kind of coffee. And uh, so thank you to Lori and everybody over there at Sparrows who makes this happen. Um, just a little more about them. The Sparrows, the Sparrows coffee and tea and newsstand is, <laughs> is a, fun. is a cozy little coffee shop in downtown Grand Rapids. It's been, do, they've been doing their thing since 2007. And uh, they say on their website that they are a warm, inviting space for the community to gather. So I can only imagine how cool it would be. We should go there to, sometime. We really should go there. Um, we are kind of putting together a list now. Uh, now, that, now that we're doing this podcast and de- developing a little bit of a relationship with these places, yeah. um, I think it would be really neat to do like a coffee road trip and and just take the show on the road, as yeah, they say. That'd be um, so cool. Maybe we could even do podcasts, you know, live yeah. from from on location at different places. We'll see, or at least get like pictures or something. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> uh, things are starting to open up from mm-hmm. the shutdown in Illinois and other places, so it's starting to get to a point where we could maybe think about that. Definitely. Um, the this bag, in addition to looking really cool, has some kind of has some just a. Uh, some touchy-feely stuff on the back that's pretty neat. Um, talks about nostalgia, harmony, and adventure. Um, visiting grandmas in a comfy sweater with your dog playing the Beatles. Um, visiting the beach in a convertible with the squad playing Beyonce. <laughs> and f- adventure feels like the uh, visiting the Amazon on a motorcycle with a local guide that p- <laughs> while playing that new new. So, um, <laughs> love the creativity and, uh, just kind of thinking outside the box for, uh, exploring your feelings while drinking this really, really good coffee. Um, so in every, oh, and handwritten, I, and I love this handwritten roast date on the side, uh, from straight from the roaster. So just every side of this bag gives you a good feelings. And then the inside of the bag, of course, gives you amazing coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I, I try to, as I'm researching these coffees, I, I, you know, I've, I've been into coffee for a long time, but it's just, it's such a huge world that you always run into something that you didn't quite ever hear of, or, you know, something that seems a little new. And for me, I was, I was reading down on the, uh, I was reading down the line of the, the staff and the people that are involved with Sparrows. And it's mentioned this guy named David Pohl, who is their um, I think like coffee purchaser or something mm-hmm. like that, you know, in charge of um, their getting their green coffee. And and it mentioned that he was a licensed Q grader, like the letter Q grader. So I looked that up and there's actually a place called the Coffee Quality Institute Oh, that um that gives this license called the, the Q, like a Q, like licenses people to be a Q grader. And what that does is it gives people the credentials um, to score and grade coffees according to the standards developed by the SCAA, which is the Specialty Coffee Association of America. 
there are 22 different tests you have to take to get this. It's definitely not for a coffee newbie. I would probably, I'm sure I would mm. fail because there's a lot involved. I'm going to show you this, oh, this breakdown of all. There's, there's a cupping test, which that, that just means you're tasting it. But there's a triangulation test, what which I have that? no clue what that is. Didn't have time to ah. look. <laughs> Olfactory test, obviously, that means for right. smelling, sensory skills, um, there's an organic acid matching pairs test, which has to do with acetic, malic, citric, and phosphoric. Do you remember enough from chem- chemistry class to know? No, okay. I took like the like <laughs> low grade chemistry. I never even took actual chemistry. I, d- I did not either. So we're both in the same boat. And so we're not going to try to take and the test. And I didn't test. do super well. In it. <laughs> well hey, you got, you got by, you've got your own podcast now. So That's right. <laughs> um, sample roast ID skills, green coffee grading, which that's green coffee. You know, that, that just means it's unroasted coffee. And that's a whole world of its own. Um, and the study materials are all these different handbooks from the um, Specialty Coffee Association of America. So it's really involved to become a person who can do be like one of these Q graders. And I just thought that was interesting. I'm, yeah, I'm, I've I'm, never seen that before. That's really cool. Yeah, so there's, there's Lori on the website. Oh, She's nice. the one who sent us the coffee. Thank you, Lori. Cody is the head roaster. Cool. Um, he actually used to work at a, um, a Chicago Michelin star restaurant called Alinea. Hmm. Um, it's like crazy expensive to go there. I bet. Right? Do you, did you ever go there? When and you I've there? never been there. Okay. It's like, it's yeah, really expensive. Sounds expensive. <laughs> yeah. So, so he's got a background in, in like upscale dining and mm. stuff. And so I'm sure he's a, he's a very meticulous guy, which yeah. of course everyone has to be to, to be, to roast this kind of coffee to this um, level. And there's David Pohl, the Q grader, oh, nice. uh, along with uh, Tim, head of uh, product development. And then uh, Taylor is the cafe manager. Oh, I like her hair color. Yeah, she does have a great hair color. Really nice. So yeah, that's a little um, bit about uh, Sparrows. And thank you again to them for sending us this great Columbia Cauca coffee that we're going to be sipping on while we unfortunately talk about crime. <laughs> um Oh, I just wanted to mention one more thing. They, uh, as I mentioned before, it uh, the the front of this bag talks about the partnership with Coffee for, for Peace providing support f- to post conflict regions of Colombia. And I don't, I, I I did a little research on that, and I wasn't able to know like to what extent or what involvement. But I I did find out that uh, that region is I think still dealing with some of the repercussions of the cocaine industry in oh, Colombia. Okay. And it, I think mm-hmm. they, they were, they were the Cauca region. It, it sounds like they were sort of, um, it, it took people a while to find out that cocaine was coming from there. And so it, it didn't get cracked down on, <laughs> cracked down on it as, yeah. as <laughs> no pun intended. Um, <laughs> as soon as, uh, I'm not trying to joke about the drug trade. Um, as soon as some of the other areas, so they're probably, I'm, I'm just, this is just me kind of taking an, an educated guess, but I, pr- I think there's probably still a lot of, um, yeah, repercussions of, of the drug trade and crime and, and cartels and stuff that's going, that may be still affecting that area because of that. Uh, but the cool thing about coffee is that it gives those regions uh, a, a reputable and safe, you know, market. Yeah. Um, even though technically caffeine is a drug, but uh, but obviously it's above board, <laughs> sure. and uh, companies like Sparrows are um, paying the the kind the the kind of rates that uh, support the 
the farms and the areas that uh, that, right. that they're getting coffee that's, from. That's so, very cool. So it gives it gives areas like that a good alternative to you know selling selling cocaine. Yeah. And uh, and and again, I think they're they're taking some of their profits and and pouring that back into the region that they're buying coffee from to to help with some of the the social maladies that come from a, a place that's trying to recover from being a, a drug right. you know um, source. So nice. So yeah, really cool really company cool. from from Michigan, and uh, and so we're very thankful to be able to enjoy their uh, the beans that they have roasted for this episode of Coffee with Crime. Yes, well, thank you so much to Sparrows for sending us this coffee. It's really amazing. That's really right. good. And now, as I like to say, it's time for crime. Ooh. You notice I'm like very comfortable right now. <laughs> I know. Yeah, you're. I'm you are like getting cozy. <laughs> what, why are you so comfortable? I don't know. I think it's like our new setup and this coffee and yeah. just, you know. You look very in. bohemian. <laughs> <laughs> settling in for a nice crime. <laughs> All right. Make sure so we're still recording. <laughs> yeah, every every time I switch over from our recording software. Um, to our uh, to our um, uh, website to check out our you know lo- lovely websites of our roasters that we're looking at. Um, I, I get this pang of of fear that maybe I in fact forgot to hit record. But yeah. no, we are recording and yeah. uh, and I'm ready for crime. All right. <laughs> you look like a guru <laughs> sitting on I, she's sitting on an office chair like a swivel chair and it's padded but she's she's sitting with cross legs on top of the chair with hands on knees and <laughs> and uh this is awesome I, just, I feel like this is a good place to meditate <laughs> yes and the lighting in here Get some is incense good going and, <laughs> all right all right well i, I hope this doesn't ruin your vibe to talk about, about something that's not so zen Ooh. All right, we're going to talk about Audrey Marie Hilly, another three-named person. Yeah. Um, H-I-L-L-E-Y. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so Audrey Marie Hilly. Um, so she was born June 4th, 1933 in Anniston, Alabama. Okay. Um, her parents were Lucille and Huey Frazier. And, you know, they she grew up kind of poor, but her parents, everything they had, they gave to her. She hmm. was extremely spoiled. Only child? I... I think so. Okay. I'm not 100% sure, but it seems from everything that I've read, it seemed like she might have been an only child. Okay. Um, so yeah, she was super spoiled and she felt, she grew up feeling very entitled. Hmm. So she always felt like she was owed more yep. than what she had, yep. you know? Um, she was charming and popular in high school. She was a very pretty girl. And when she was in high school, she started dating a boy named Frank Hilly. And of course, they ended up getting married right after graduation in 1951. So she's married to Frank. Um, and in 1952, just about a year after they were married, they have a son named Michael. And then in 1960, they have a daughter that they name Carol. So they live in a nice home. You know, they were seen as kind of this perfect all-American family. Hmm. Um. Audrey was very, you know, prim and proper. She was like the perfect Southern wife. She liked to entertain, you know, people in the community really liked her. She was just this very, you know, you know, well-liked person Mm -hmm. around town. Good wife, good mother, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So Frank, he made good money at his job. And Audrey also had a good job as a secretary 
But she loved to spend money. Mm. She loved to spend money. She wanted nice things. Um, she wanted fancy clothes. And she... Did would, she wear like a different outfit every day? Yeah, she was very well dressed. Okay. You know, like a very proper Southern lady yep, with all yep. the, you know, nice a expensive bell. clothes. <laughs> um, but she went through their money pretty fast. You know, Frank and her could not make money fast enough mm. for her to spend it. So, um, she actually started to have an affair with her boss at her job. As a way of making money or just... Yes. So, she was accepting money from him in exchange for their, you know, liaisons, (laughs) if you will. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. And Frank discovered that she was having an affair because he came home one day and discovered her, like, in the middle of the affair... What? Yeah. Wow. So he knows about the affair, but he continues with their marriage anyway. So, you know, he forgives and forgets. It's very big of him. Or whatever. Yeah. So in uh, 1975, um, Frank and their. When, When did their affair happen? I think it was like around this time. 75? Yeah, like oh, okay. 74, okay. 75. Okay. Yeah. So they've been married for... So f- about 20... Oh, yeah. Five, 24 years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. They've got two kids. Um, At this point, their son, Michael, is like 23. Okay, so time or, kind of... Yeah, we're passing a lot of time. Yeah, here. so yeah. I mean, they've they've lived a pretty normal life. <laughs> right. You know? Um, so, 19, around 1974, 1975, Frank and Mike start experiencing stomach flu-like symptoms, and they both become very ill, her yeah. husband and her son. Yeah. Um, so, the illness continues for both of them until Mike goes away to Atlanta to um, go to seminary school. Okay. So, you know, to become a minister, and when he moves away to Atlanta, his symptoms stop. Huh. Which is peculiar. Yeah, Southern cooking is supposed to like make you feel better, not worse. Yeah, I don't know. But, well, I don't know what that could be. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> but Frank continued to get worse. It's also strange. Hmm. Yeah. So in May of 1975, Frank... So Carol is experiencing no... No. Uh, and at this point, Carol would be about 15? 1975? Right. She was, yeah, right. okay. Um... So Frank goes to the doctor. He's got severe stomach pain. He's got nausea. And like all the time? Yeah, and it was wow. getting worse and for worse. For not just a couple of days, but... I think this went on for like a couple of months. Oh, it'd be terrible. Yeah. How would you like go to work? Yeah, you couldn't. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Um, so he goes to the doctor and it was discovered, they ran tests and did all that, and they discovered that his liver had malfunctioned. And so they diagnosed him with hepatitis. Okay. And... After he was diagnosed, he died just a few days later on May 25th. Wow. So he didn't live long after mm-hmm. his diagnosis. Um, and they went ahead, they did an autopsy, and it was revealed that he had symptoms that were in line with hepatitis. He had um, swelling in the kidneys, lungs, and stomach, and so that was determined as his cause of death. Yeah. So Audrey had taken out a life insurance policy on Frank. Hmm. Before he passed away. Um, That's wonderful foresight. I know. And she ended up getting a payout of $31,000, which in today's money would be about $150,000, which is a good amount of money, you know? 
So, you know, a few years go by and, you know, Audrey's living it up. She's buying stuff. She's getting all the things she wants, you know, the expensive clothes, all that. But the money is running out. Mm. So in 1978, when Audrey's daughter, Carol, um, who was 18 at the time, she uh, Carol starts to come down with a mysterious illness. And it just so happens that Audrey had taken out a 25 thousand dollar life insurance policy on her right before she got sick interesting on her daughter on her daughter yeah okay yeah (laughs) so her daughter was experiencing so much nausea that she ended up being admitted to the hospital and soon she started experiencing numbness in her legs and her feet Uh, she couldn't walk and they discovered that she had really severe nerve damage oof So while she was there, um, Audrey would bring her daughter these injections. And she would tell her that it was special medicine from her doctor to make her better and to make her walk again. But but Carol was not allowed to tell anyone about it. (laughs) So Carol, you know, just trusting her mother, you know, let her give her these injections. And the medicine did not work. It made her worse. Strangely enough. Yeah. What are you supposed to do when it's your mom giving you something, though? Like, oh. yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you trust your mom. Yeah. I mean, maybe say, like, Mom, you're not a doctor. I don't know if I should be taking that stuff. But, yeah. I mean, you don't think your mom would, like, try to hurt you. No. Um. So they ran a bunch of tests on, on Carol, and they couldn't find anything wrong with her. So they began to run um, psychiatric tests because they thought maybe it was, like, in her mind or something. Mm. Um, so this is going on for several months yeah. and she's in the hospital and after seeing a bunch of specialists, she was admitted to two different hospitals. They begin suspecting heavy metal poisoning and we are familiar with heavy metal poisoning. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago, I believe. Arsenic is a heavy metal, right? That's correct. Wow. So they start to suspect arsenic poisoning. Only for her or for the husband? Well, you'll see. Okay. You'll see. So eventually Carol tells her brother about the shots that her mom has been giving her. And the brother, he calls the hospital and the police because at this point he's starting to grow suspicious about his the circumstances surrounding his father's death and now right. his sister's illness. Yeah. So well, he, even if you don't suspect your mom of anything you have you would have to say like okay like whatever these shots shots are like maybe she's getting them from somewhere that's like wrong but yeah you just have you i mean i'm glad that someone finally started (laughs) suspecting something because it's a little too like everyone who's home yeah sick and everyone who goes away is Is feeling fine so okay process of elimination exactly love you mom but (laughs) (laughs) so At one point, there was a doctor who noticed something called, and I think, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, it's Aldrich Aldrich Mies Lines. It's like a name, Aldrich um, hyphen Mies. Oh, yeah, like for the doctor who experimented or like discovered it. He starts noticing these lines on Carol's fingernails. So basically, Mm. they're white lines that are across the fingernails, and they're common in arsenic poisoning. Oh, because it like bursts in your cuticle and then it grows out something yeah something like that so so yeah so this doctor sees that and he was familiar with arsenic poisoning symptoms so he was the one who like (laughs) do you know why he was familiar with it like oh it didn't say okay (laughs) (laughs) i don't know Hmm. was this a common thing 
up until succinylcholine, was this the main <laughs> way of like, if you didn't have a gun, like this is how you get rid of I guess someone? this or antifree. Antifree, yeah, there's that too. I don't know. I mean, it seemed like a popular poison. Because they're, yeah. Okay, anyway. Yeah. I don't know. So they end up testing her for arsenic. Um, and they tested her hair, which is interesting. So basically they... It, the test revealed that she not only had arsenic in her system, but it was 100 times the normal level close to her scalp. And then as wow. her hair grew out, there was almost no arsenic in it. Whoa. So that means that they she had been given larger and larger right. doses <clears throat> right. as time went on. Unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. So once they realized that she, she had been she poisoned. Died. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm like, I'm shocked that she actually right. lived. Right. Um, 100 times. Yeah. <laughs> they end up... Um, exhuming frank's body yeah to answer your question that's right um so they they exhume his body and they discover that he had really high levels of arsenic in his system as well Mm. so and arsenic as we've talked about before on the program um it eventually shuts down your organs so like your lungs your kidneys your liver so all the experience all the um symptoms that frank was experiencing with all his organs when they did the autopsy and everything lined up with this right you know the only mis- i guess the mistake was that they just focused on the right, liver rather was, than looking at his whole body yeah, if because if they would have seen everything probably everything was shutting down right exactly yeah. and, and also the those were symptoms of hepatitis yeah. you know having like swollen you know right. lungs or kidneys or whatever Wow. So, and let me mention too that a couple of weeks before this, before they exhumed Frank's body, Audrey had actually been arrested for writing bad checks. Hmm. So she started writing bad checks. She wrote them to her daughter's life insurance, and then I think she was writing them for other things as well. And so they ended up arresting her for that, and they put her in jail. So on October 9th, 1979, she was still sitting in jail for the bad check writing, and she was given the charge of attempted murder for her daughter. Hmm. Wow. Yes. So they do a search of... Aud- what did she... Did she object? Did she freak out? She denied it. Okay. Yeah. She did deny she it. She denied it. Yeah. Um, when they searched her purse in her home, they found vials of arsenic as well as rat poison that contained arsenic. Maybe rough on rats? <laughs> Probably. It works good, I hear. Yeah. <laughs> it's really tasty, too. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Makes, don't, makes don't Bigas eat. stew sound <laughs> taste even better. Oh, I'll mention, too, we, we actually made Bigas. We did make, yeah, yeah. You can see a picture of it on the Facebook page, uh, Facebook slash Coffee with Crime podcast. Uh-huh. So that um, was uh, from our Tilly Gaboric episode, mm-hmm. also about arsenic, but... um. Yeah. Oh, it's such a! I'm I'm getting hungry thinking it was, about it, it right now. It was really good. It had um, Polish, and and you kind of um, you you took a there. So I looked up an, recipes an average, for it. Yeah. yeah, there were a lot of different different recipes for it. So right. I kind of created one out of the ones that I found. Yeah, and yeah, so Polish sausage, um, stew meat, right? Sauerkraut, uh, sauerkraut, just a bunch of really good onions, stuff. tomatoes. I think so yeah, onions, tomatoes. It's um, just a really hearty soup. I mean, yeah, it was good. It was awesome. I just finished it yesterday. <laughs> um, but all that to say that um, because crime involves people and people always eat, we in the future are going to start like trying recipes <laughs> and and kind of diving into the the food behind some of these stories. Yeah, and in the future. We're thinking about possibly making a little coffee with crime cookbook. 
Um, so we've got the we've got mugs that we're doing right now, but we might have a cook, cookbook in the future. <laughs> I'm excited about that. Yeah, me I think too. that'll be fun. Me too. But anyway, just <laughs> want to give someone a little teaser. It's not going to be ready like tomorrow or anything. No, no. But we, we still are have work we are to slowly do on putting it. together <laughs> a cookbook because this the stew turned out so delicious. It was really good. It was really good. We left out the arsenic though. It's optional. Yeah. In the recipe, but um, but it, we we did leave it out. Which I, as should you? If it you makes make it, it. It makes yeah. yeah. You should too. Um, don't, please don't. Please don't <laughs> poison yourself or anyone else. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. So okay. So all right. So she's got these vials of arsenic and rat poison all over her house. Yes. So, um, so and this okay. So this part I don't exactly understand. But a month later, after she's you know given the charge of attempted murder. So now it's November 9th, so it's exactly a month later. Mm-hmm. She's released on bail. Hmm. And her bail was only set at $14,000. So bond of that, I think it's like 10%. Okay. So, I mean, she's in jail for attempted murder and uh, murder. Yeah. Although she hadn't been charged with Frank's murder quite yet. But, I mean, that's pretty low Did she bail. know somebody? <sighs> I don't know. I mean, she was popular around town. Maybe okay. she had like somebody that was. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like with that kind of thing, it's like if you just you're well connected and yeah. you call in a favor with the police department or I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, but I mean, so she wasn't above sleeping with her boss. She for wasn't cash. above a whole lot. Yeah, yeah. So she ends up getting out of jail, um, and she checks into a motel under a fake name. And while she's staying there. She decides to flee, hmm. yep. of course. And she leaves behind a note saying that she has been kidnapped. <laughs> so her attorney calls... <laughs> it's always... Be- That's the best scenario when you're kidnapped and you have a chance to leave like a, <laughs> a well-worded note behind so that everyone knows that you were well, actually kidnapped. Well, she wrote it in like trying to pretend to be the kidnapper. Oh, Saying like, okay. I kidnapped this woman. Don't come looking that's for also, her. That's whatever. also a very nice situation to be in though when your kidnapper <laughs> has the thoughtfulness to yeah. be like, I'm going to leave everyone a note. Just letting people know right. what happened to that's her. That's a nice kidnapper. I don't want her, to family, her family to worry too much. <laughs> Whoever's left of her family. Right. Yeah. That's, so that's nice. Her attorney goes to the motel to talk to her and he discovers the note. And then later they discover that it was written in her handwriting. So hmm. I guess she didn't do a whole lot to try to disguise it. Yeah. So this is where the story gets really interesting. Ooh, I thought it was interesting already, but Ooh. do tell. So on November 19th, um, so Audrey had an aunt who lived nearby. And on November 19th, Audrey's aunt's home was broken into. And her car was stolen, some clothes were stolen, and luggage. And there was a note left saying not to call the police. It was like, we won't bother you again, but if you call the police, we're going to burn down your house or something like that. Okay. And basically saying, like, don't don't call the police. Like, we won't, we'll leave you alone. We got what we wanted. Yeah. So, of course, she calls the police because I think she probably suspected that it was Audrey. Yeah. Given the circumstances that yeah. she's, you know, just fled <laughs> town and all that. So while Audrey um, is on the run now, investigators start looking at the deaths of both her mother as well as her mother-in-law. Whoa. And they discovered that they both had significant levels of arsenic in their bodies (sighs) at the times of their deaths. Gotta be kidding. Now, did she have insurance policies on them too? I don't think so. Or is this just a case of like Tilly Gabor, like power... Yeah. The killing power goes to your head. Because they also exhumed the body of a 
little girl who lived in the neighborhood. She was 11 years old. She was a friend of her daughter's and she would come over to their house often and she would eat and drink things that um, Audrey would give her. And she passed away from a random illness. That's just sickening. Yeah. And they discovered that she did have arsenic in her body as well, but it wasn't like a super high level. But she still died from it. I think so, but they don't know for sure if her death was caused by that. But many other people, including friends, neighbors, and coworkers, also reported that they had gotten very ill after eating at Audrey's home. Mm. So, I mean, yeah, it's kind of, at first it was, it was just exactly like the Tilly Gaborik. At first it was for money, and then it just became almost fun. You're like a frenzy, yeah. Yeah. Fetish or something. Messed up. Ooh, that is messed up. She's just having fun killing people. Yeah. So the FBI launches an extensive search for her. Um, yeah, no one can find her. No one knows where she is. They searched all over the U.S. and Canada. Wow. Um, but it was like she vanished into thin air. She was just gone. Wow. Hmm. So now Audrey is a free woman. She's on the run. And she ends up moving to Florida. So she assumes the name Robbie Hannon. So she goes down to Florida and she changes her identity. And she had some cash with her. Is that how she she kind of was able to build a I believe so new life for herself? Yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, maybe she still had some leftover from her yeah. husband's insurance. Yeah. So when she's down there, she meets a man named John Homan at a bar, and then they end up getting married in May of 1981. So at this point, she had been on the run for about a year and a half. Yep. And after a little while, they decide to move to New Hampshire. New Hampshire. So, new Hampshire. So, Robbie often spoke fondly of her identical twin sister, Terry, who lived in Texas. So, she would talk to her husband about her twin sister, who he had never met. Yeah. But allegedly, she had this twin sister who lived in Texas. And in 1982, um, Robbie told John and her friends in New Hampshire that she had a rare blood disease and that she was going to need to travel to Texas alone to see her family and to see a specialist there. Okay. So she's going down to Texas to visit her twin sister and get help for her rare illness. Was it's, the was the trip? Uh, this is so confusing with so many lies and murders. Mm-hmm. But was the her was her reason for going because her sister could donate marrow? No, or, she was going. She, I mean, she, it was that, not. That was just incidental. It was. It was fake. Oh. She didn't have a twin sister. No, I know that. But like, is that why she created? I'm wondering if that's no. I think she was just there was a specialist in Texas that could help her. Okay, and that's why she was going there. And and her her family just happened to live there as well. So why did she create this twin sister? Well, you'll see. Okay, (laughs) sorry, I always (laughs) quit it ahead. So, so she goes to Texas, and a few months later, after she got to Texas, Robbie sadly died from her rare blood disease. Okay. And her twin sister, Terry, calls her husband, John, and tells him that his wife had died, but there would be no funeral because they donated her body to science. Mm, that's the noble thing. So they say that John wasn't the brightest bulb. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's probably pretty true, um, <laughs> especially considering that after Robbie died, Terry 
who looked exactly like Robbie, but Uncanny. had the only difference was she had platinum blonde hair. Okay. She came, she traveled up to New Hampshire, and she started a relationship with John. Why not pick back up where my twin sister who was? Off? He was none the wiser. <laughs> now, if you had a wife who. I like, mean, yeah, so he wasn't noticing like freckles, to die, moles, and like, then I mean, would, do you think you would know that it wasn't like a twin? I guess it depends. Would, I mean, I <laughs> don't have any experience in this area. Uh, if anyone's listening and they know of a situation where anything remotely mm, close yeah. to this happened, like, yeah, I know, like twins. I don't think twins are literally physically identical in every way. Not even identical twins. Like you, you know, you're not going to have like veins that look the same I in your arm. I think identical twins do. Do they really? I think so. Even like, no, but I mean like a, a mole or... I think so because they're like a copy of each other. <sighs> I don't know. If All right, we, if... clearly we don't, know, <laughs> we don't know enough about twins as, as much as we do about coffee. But if you're I, an identical twin, please, please call let us this know. <laughs> number as soon as you can. Um, yeah, I guess that shows that I don't know much about identical twins. I know, but I think as, as uh, even identical twins, I think as they get older, they do start to look different just because of different life. Right. Circum- like one weighs Climates more, one is, you know, diet more and, yeah, tan, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, but okay, interesting. I need to research that myself. Yeah. I, I really don't know. But, but anyway, either way, if, if um, John, John, yes, if John wasn't a super observant dude anyway, and Maybe he just was like, oh, well, she's gone, but sweet. Like, I get another wife. That's cool. (laughs) Like, she just looks exactly the same as the old one. And if he was attracted to the previous one, then he must have liked the new one as well. Exactly. So, you know. (laughs) This is so confusing. I know. It is confusing. And I still am not understanding like what what her um, end game is, but I'm sure she has something. But I'm not, maybe I'm kind of, with John where I'm not like really like reading all the signs. Um, t- keep, all right, keep telling I'll me keep, what's I'll going keep on. telling you the story. So, um, yeah. So not only does Terry, I'm doing air quotes right air now, quotes, Terry. come to New Hampshire and start dating John. She also starts working at Robbie's job. So she huh. goes to the place where her dead twin sister worked and gets a job there. And strangely, she Picks up on it just fine, as if she never <laughs> doesn't need any up. training yeah. at all. Oh. And so her coworkers don't believe it. Yeah, they're like, Finally "This is someone this is a bunch of crap. Calling. This is the same woman." Yeah, yeah. So this, you know, ruse was discovered basically because friends and coworkers of Robbie's, Terry's, whatever you want to say, mm-hmm. were suspicious. And also there was an obituary for Robbie that was put in a New Hampshire newspaper. And then the police got involved. They started trying to verify these details about this woman and they couldn't find anything. Mm. So they discovered that there was this weird situation where there was yep. a someone who was taking over someone's identity. They didn't know exactly what was going on, but they knew that it was something weird. Yeah. So they end up bringing in Terry for questioning, and almost immediately, Terry breaks down and admits to being Audrey Hilly. Wow. Yes. Saved him some time. Tells them what happened, that she was on the run, but she tells them that she's on the run because she's wanted for writing bad checks. She doesn't mention any of that murder stuff. Why would you? Yeah. Just, uh, you know, small potatoes. Yeah. 
So once the police ran her details, because they had her name, they had her birth date, all that stuff, they discovered that she was wanted for both murder and attempted murder. And she was arrested at that point, and she was taken back to Alabama to stand trial for the murder of her husband and the attempted murder of her daughter, Carol. So she never admitted to any of this. Um, She basically said that she had been framed. Somebody was, you know, trying to make it look like she had done this. So her trial started on May 30th of 1983. And again, Audrey's defense was that, you know, somebody was trying to frame her. But pretty quickly, she was found guilty of both charges and she was sentenced to life in prison plus 20 years. Okay. So she got a pretty hefty sentence. Yeah. So here's the deal. So she's convicted of first degree murder and then she's convicted of attempted murder. And then she goes on the run for three years assumes two new identities, fakes her own death. But because she was such a sweet and well-behaved prisoner, the prison actually gave her day passes to leave the prison. That day passes? (laughs) You get life in prison and you get a day pass? What's the point of getting life in prison? I have never heard of this in all everything that I've... uh, Alabama. Alabama. And I believe since this, this uh, policy has been changed. Good. Thank you. But I've never heard of this. I mean, you might as well not have a prison if you're giving people day passes. Yeah. They probably, you know, she was so sweet. She had right. this personality. They're like, precious. oh, she wasn't hard to flee. Right. <laughs> and they actually, she, she would tell her story to the warden at the prison and he actually believed her because she was so sweet and charming and yeah. everything. He believed that she. I wonder if she was she sleeping didn't, with him too. Well, probably. Hmm. Probably. I, so, oh, here's something I still don't understand and maybe I'm still getting ahead of the story, but. What if she already had gotten away with stuff by moving to Florida, creating a new identity, then moving up to New Hampshire? What was the point of her going back to Texas and pretending to be and pretending to die and come back as someone else? Was she just is she just I an think, insane yeah, person at I this think point? She was, she at that point, she was just kind shooting of from the hip, with, around. Yeah, because she thought she could get away yeah, with anything. I think it was just like fun for her. I just don't understand what the point of that would have been. Maybe just to s- prove that she could like, trick people. Yeah. I don't okay. know. Yeah. Because really that question. was her demise. That she had gotten away with it until she went back to her old yeah. workplace and everyone was like, wait, had this is weird. Had she not done that, she might have she was, gotten away with it. She was like f- free. Yeah. She was gotten away I don't know. with it. She got too confident. Yeah. And that's thankfully the thing that uh, does a lot of these these murderous people in as they uh, they kind of get uh, greedy with yeah. with uh, how much they can get away with. Right, definitely. It's definitely what happened with Tilly. Mm-hmm. Anyway, keep going. Okay, so so she's getting these so she's day getting passes. day passes, but she always comes back. Okay, which is surprising. But she proved herself so well that in the beginning of 1987, um, the warden decided to give her a three day pass. So that she could spend the weekend with her husband, John, who she was still married still to. Still married to And at this point, he had actually moved to Alabama to be near her. Wow. And it's kind of funny because like at this point, He's going above and beyond. John had had relationships with <laughs> Robbie Hannon, her sister, Terry, and now Audrey Hilly. Oh. So three in one. Wow. He was a P-I-M-P. <laughs> it's so weird. His last- He must have really liked her. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. He's willing to deal with all this what did he crazy do for work? stuff. Um, you know, I don't know what John Holman okay. did for work. That's a I good question. If he was able to like tr- uh, commute his 
whatever he was doing to from New Hampshire to uh, Arkansas. Maybe. Uh, Alabama. Huh. Interesting. Oh, bless you. Excuse me. Okay. So we, just to let you know, everybody, we do not edit this show whatsoever. <laughs> we sneeze, we sip coffee. We don't care. We we want you to experience exactly what we were experiencing <laughs> from the time we hit record to the time we hit stop. That's right. And that is very much the uh, the the ethic and the vibe of this show is that we uh, we just we just keep the tape rolling, and I, like it. Uh, I think that's part of what makes it fun. It, that's right. I agree. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there was a uh, last week on our episode. There was like a ambulance going by. Oh, was did. there? Oh, you didn't even hear it? No. Yeah, I. I uh, there it was. It was pretty loud, and, and I'm sure it got into the into the recording. But um, but then yeah, we just keep the tape going. <laughs> <laughs> the so digital I'll, tape. I'll try not to sneeze anymore. Okay, so three day pass to spend yeah. with her husband. So it's like a from, conjugal from, weekend or something. Yeah, and she's already uh, again. She has admitted to how many murders? Well, she didn't admit to any of it, but um, she was convicted. She was convicted of her husband's just her husband's murder and her daughter's attempted murder. Okay, so she wasn't actually okay. tried for any of the other ones. Got it. I don't know why. Maybe there okay. wasn't enough evidence, but. Yeah. So, she gets a three-day pass. Hmm. So, she goes to spend, you know, the weekend with her husband. They go to, like, a hotel, I believe. And after about a day, she leaves him a note saying, I love you, but you have to forgive me. I'm not going back to prison. And she tells him that she's leaving the country. Wow. So, she's gone again. Can't say we didn't see it coming. No. (laughs) Why would they give this woman a pass? Like, clearly, she's a flight risk. She was on the run for three, over three years. I hope there were some changes made from the inside of the, yeah. yeah. Like, this would have been one of those watershed I think this was, after this happened, they were like, we can't. Okay, we we can't can't be given day passes for prisoners anymore, for convicted murderers. Right. Yeah. Murderers. It doesn't matter how good their cooking is or how nice they are or how they dress. It's like. How sweet and. Yeah, how sweet and perfect they are. mm -hmm. It's like. Don't. You got to keep them in there. Yeah. So she flees the country. Well, not the country. She flees the motel or hotel at this point, and Mm. they don't know where she is. So, of course, they start searching for her. And four days later, the police receive a call from somebody who sees a woman crawling around in the woods behind their house. Mm. So, and it's February. Whoa. So it's cold. It's in the low 30s Yikes. because it's Alabama, so it doesn't get super sure, cold. Sure, but not comfortable for crawling right. around. And it's snowing and it's icy. And so she's been like wandering outside for four days at this point, I guess. Whoa. And when they found her, she was cold and wet and she had hypothermia. Wow. So they put her in the ambulance and they... You know, t- they're taking her to the hospital, but on the way there, she ends up having a heart attack and she dies. Wow. On February 26, 1987, hmm. um, at the age of 53. Wow. So that is the story of Audrey Marie Hilly. Is there any explanation for why she was wandering around outside? No. Wow. No. I'm assuming she, you know, didn't have anywhere to go and maybe she Randomly. got cold and then. I think that once you get hypothermia, you start to get really like disoriented. Okay. And so at that point, she probably just couldn't figure out what to do. And this is before, you know, cell phones and stuff. Sure, so she didn't have any but of that. Still, with all her charm, you would have thought that she yeah. could walk into a. Although she probably didn't and... want anyone to like. 
Oh, see by this her time she's wanted. She was yeah. well known. Yeah, she should have stayed in prison. She had a sweet she, gig. I know. Day passes. I can't believe. She I've had never all kinds heard of, of a day pass. Like more. her biggest enemy was herself. Yeah, because she kept screwing up her own good circumstances. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What so. a crazy tale. Yeah, I know. How'd you first hear about her? Was um, this on F- Women see, Killers one, or that show? It might have been Deadly Women Deadly or Women. Snapped or one of those. Mm. Um, I think it's been featured on both those. But um, I actually recently watched an interview with her daughter, Carol, mm-hmm. who's still alive. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting to see, you know, kind of her feelings about that. You know, she said, obviously, she was very angry. And yeah. then she got to a point where she just didn't really care anymore you know Mm. obviously she didn't really have a relationship with her mother not after that (laughs) after she tried to murder her yeah well um seems like audrey was uh really really wanted to be in the u.s it seems like it would have made more sense for her to leave the country but she just didn't she like loved it here Yeah, especially the first time. I instead of Florida, I really expected her to like go to like Mexico somewhere, or somewhere. Mexico. Yeah, yeah, somewhere where it's like you're off the grid. <laughs> but she she liked the good old USA. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that was, I guess, part of. Yeah, and she was. I mean, she was apparently a very charming person, and like you said, she kept charming her way into good situations. But then, like. Then kind of like ruining her own situations, yeah. yeah. Like she kept going just a little too far. Yeah. Just like you said, her her worst en- enemy was herself. Yeah. Wow. Yep. So yeah, so that's the story for today. Wow. Well, thank you for bringing us that story. You're welcome. Thank you so much for the coffee. Mm. Thank, thank you thank to Sparrows yeah. for sending us this coffee. And thank you, listeners, for continuing to... Uh, support us by listening and um and don't forget to follow us on instagram that's right uh, what like, is it on instagram the uh, handle? coffee with crime official coffee with crime official and okay. coffee with crime podcast on facebook like mm-hmm. us and uh, still leave us reviews yep um we're well, gonna do another drawing we are going to we're not sure when yet but we're gonna do but another it'll drawing. be pretty soon so keep giving us those reviews yeah anyone who um <clears throat> like we said a few episodes ago anyone who um aside from the winner the um i think it was lauren anyone who has left uh, a review at any point mm-hmm. will still be entered in the um in the drawing for the next uh, coffee with crime mug so if you already left a review thank you and if you haven't uh left one yet um feel free to leave one anytime and you'll you will be entered for that next mug that we do yes that we do a drawing for definitely so yeah so thank you for listening and we will take our coffee with crime see you next time